1: Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Joined now by the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. Governor Abbott, welcome. It's good to talk to you.
0: Great to visit with you again, Hugh. Things going well for you?
1: It is. I thought you might be mad at me because I talked to Matthew McGonaghy about running for governor of Texas, and all of a sudden there's a boom for him.
0: Well, listen, uh, you're always my friend. You're you're such a great uh, person to cast a vision for this country. I always love listening to you and visiting with you.
1: Well, I'm telling Matt he's going to lose if he runs against you, so I hope he doesn't do that, but uh, you're ready for anyone, aren't you, Governor?
0: We are I, you, you may have, but your your audience may have not seen uh, both our our numbers and our polling numbers, et cetera so uh in ten days, I just raised uh, almost nineteen million dollars uh to put it a different way, almost raised one point nine million dollars a day during a tight time. Uh, period to raise funds. And I have $55 million cash on hand. And then on top of that, the polling numbers are just absolutely rock solid. So bottom line is I'm looking in great shape. But Hugh, you know me, uh, I take everything seriously, uh, whether it be my job as governor uh, or my job as running and winning a campaign. And so uh, whoever runs, we will take very, very seriously. But what we know, we have the support uh, among so many people across the state of Texas, it's not just Republicans; it's you know, independents and others who just want to see good governance. And that's exactly why uh, they wanted to so strongly support my campaign after we had such a very successful legislative session.
1: Well, I, I, I want to go to the legislative session and your your legislators who are on the run in Cuba. But a last thing about Matthew: Do you know him?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So we've we've known each other, candidly for a long time now. Uh, it, it, interestingly, uh, we both grew up in Longview, Texas. We both went to the University of Texas. We were actually both members of the same fraternity at the University of Texas, and we would hang out together at some University of Texas football games. And his wife was a, a, a frequent uh, visitor with my wife and their friends. And, and so, yes, uh, we do know him. And uh, listen, he's, he, there's no doubt uh, that he's, he's a good guy, he's a great guy, he's very in, engaging, but there is similarly no doubt. But he's never taken a position on politics. And as as people who really know what politics is all about, once you start taking positions, uh, your your popularity as some Hollywood hero begins to uh, wane and and people pigeonhole you uh, in one category or another. Uh, And so we'll just have to wait and see if he starts taking positions. Uh, Is is he uh, for abortion uh, or is he pro-life like I am? Uh, is he really going to step up and do something about the most pressing issue in the state of Texas, and that is actually secure the border like w- what I'm doing? Uh, is, is he going to uh, support the effort like what I have done to uh, defund cities, that defund the police, all kinds of things where you got to take some hard positions where uh, there you will get you'll win some friends uh, and you'll also win some enemies along the way.
1: Now, Governor, right now the state of Texas is kind of a laughing stock because you've got these Democratic legislators who've taken their Miller Lite, gotten on a private jet, and left the state. And I think it's ludicrous. I think it's absolutely going to kill their brand in Texas, but I think it's killing their brand in the United States. What do you make of this absolute foolishness?
0: Well, if I can go back to the way you open a question, this is not the state that's a laughing stock. It's the Democrats in the state of Texas uh, who are the laughing stock. Uh, because for one, can you think of anything more unTexan uh, than running away from a fight? You know what what Texas began about was the Battle of the Alamo, where we had people who were in the Alamo and they refused to run from a fight; uh, they engaged in a fight, uh, and that's what led to uh, the Texas mysticism from the very beginning. Uh, and so these are these are cowards who are running from a fight, who are afraid to. to to go in and do the job that they were elected to do, and that is to debate and vote on issues. Listen, in politics, you know uh, that there's there's not going to be a party that always gets their way because regardless of which side it turns, there's always going to be one party in leadership and one party not in leadership. Uh, And uh, I got to tell you, their constituents know uh, that just because uh, the, the people they elected to send the office uh, to be Democrats in the state legislature, just because they're not getting their way, uh, doesn't mean they can walk off the job. Uh, your listeners right now, as well as uh, the voters who put these Democrats in office in the state of Texas, if they were to walk off their job, they wouldn't get paid. They would get fired. And what we've seen history teach time and again uh, is that when people walk away from doing their job, including legislators, They wind up losing their job. And we know for a fact that some of these seats are in very, very close seats. And we think this will come back to haunt the Democrats in a very big way, especially, you, when you add into the fact that there is no escaping having to come back to the Capitol and vote on these issues because I, as governor, have the ability to call special session after special session after special session until we get this passed. Uh, And once uh, these legislators uh, step foot back in the state of Texas – They can be apprehended, brought to the Capitol and contained in the Capitol uh, until we vote on all of these issues. So unless they want to stay out of the state of Texas all the way up until election year of next year, they're going to have to face the inevitable. And that is come back to Texas and do the job that voters put them in office to do, which is to cast votes on legislation.
1: Now, Governor, you've raised for me the question I wanted to ask, and some of the geeks out there may think this is too much into the weeds, but I want to know, can you continue to call special sessions so that there is no gap? Because I really wouldn't let the pressure off. This is so absurd and foolish. It's such a terrible example for American children and teenagers that you can jump ship whenever you don't like the result. I just want you to call back to back to back. And I don't want them to get 24 hours off to come see a UT game. I don't want them in town for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want them around for anything. They have to, if they want to be exiled and, and men and women without a state, fine, but don't give them the opportunity to do that.
0: So I want your audience to understand that the way the Texas legislature works is that we don't meet every year. Uh, we meet for 140 days every other year. Uh, This was the year that we met for 140 days, uh, and the session was over on May the 31st. Uh, Because we don't meet every year, that means that uh, if I didn't call special sessions, we would not be meeting again uh, until the year 2023. So what the Constitution does, it it gives the power to the governor to call special sessions uh, for issues like this. Special sessions last 30 days, uh, and the governor can call endless special sessions. And that's what I'll do. However, Hugh, I'll disagree with you. I actually do hope that they come back and they all go to a Dallas Cowboys game because uh, they can enjoy three hours of of entertainment. Uh, Then we can have an entire team of Texas Department of Public Safety officers give them a very nice escort to the Texas Capitol where we can finally get some business done.
1: Oh, well, that's what I hope happens. Is there is there a, a gap, though, where they're all ali in free? Do the rules suspend uh, when the legislature's special session comes to an end? Do they get like a free pass for a weekend?
0: No. So uh, where I am right now, it is 810 in the morning. If the special session ended at 810 in the morning, uh, I would start a new special session at 811 in the morning.
1: That's what I wanted to hear, Governor. Gosh, I love Texans. You know, that's why we have an Ohio uh, pennant, uh, Burgey, in the Alamos, because that they were worth fighting for, even though your football was not up to Buckeye standards. Let me ask you now Wait, about well,
0: this. Hold on here. you, you, you got to know this, and that is I want you to go look at the uh, roster of the Buckeyes, and you'll see that the best players on the team of the Buckeyes played high school football in the Lone Star State.
1: Well, look, we have been sending a lot of Ohio coaches down there for a lot of years, so I think the farm team is starting to produce. So I'm glad about that. But <laughs> they'll double a not triple a farm. Uh, Governor, let's let's move to what the substance of what they uh, you're trying to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. That is what Americans want. They want easy to vote, hard to cheat. And they don't want Joe Biden, at the Constitution Center, saying this is the greatest crisis since the Civil War. That was the most absurd speech a president has made in my lifetime, Tuesday at the Constitution Center, denigrating 9-11, two world wars and everything else since 1865. Uh, Are you afraid of defending the specifics because the media won't cover the specific? It's easy to vote, hard to cheat in Texas. That's the goal.
0: The the specifics are very easy and the, the specifics are just as easy to defend as they were the last time. The president called me a name. So right now, I stand are a racist Jim Crow 2.0. Uh, the, the last time he called me a name uh, was months ago when he called me a Neanderthal for opening up Texas 100 percent and no masks. Uh, and after that decision by me, uh, all that COVID did in Texas was continue to improve. Here again, uh, he's calling us a racist. Uh, and without knowing any facts whatsoever, he's engaging in the hyperbole. Here are the facts. Uh, the facts are uh, that there is zero way uh, that te- any Texan is being denied the ability to vote. It's, this is insane uh, if you, because especially uh, in Texas, we have 12 days of early voting. During those 12 days of early voting, we are increasing the number of hours to vote, not decreasing them. So we're making it easier to vote uh, with a lot more time available to vote. Uh, and the only thing that we are really cracking down on uh, is mail-in ballot voting, which – uh, even Democrats in the state of Texas from the Texas House floor, including the people who are uh, escaping to Washington, D.C. right now, agree that we need to do more to crack down on mail-in ballot fraud. And we want to make sure that anyone who does qualify for mail-in ballot fraud will be able to cast uh, their mail-in ballot. All we're doing is asking that uh, they put either uh, their social security number on there, the last four digits, or are their a telephone number or driver's license number or some other identifying information so that we can ensure that it's they who are casting the vote. And let me tell you why we're putting that standard in there. And that's because even a judge uh, appointed by Barack Obama in Texas said that it's extremely easy uh, to have fraud by mail-in ballot because in her opinion, she wrote that uh, mail-in ballot fraud in Texas occurs, quote, in abundance. So this is a federal judge Uh, who listened to all the facts and wrote an opinion saying that there is an abundance of mail-in ballot fraud in Texas and uh, the Obama Biden administration. They sent a team of investigators and prosecutors into the state of Texas to investigate and to prosecute people who were using mail-in ballots and using cocaine to buy mail-in ballots uh, in a massive mail-in ballot vote fraud scheme. Bottom line is the way Texas works and probably the way other states work is there is fraud in mail-in ballots, and we're just trying to make it harder to cheat in mail-in ballots, but a whole lot easier for people to go into the ballot box and cast a vote.
1: Now, Vice President Harris said that rural America, and that would include part of Texas, doesn't have any Kinkos. So I'm just curious, first of all, about the Kinko gap. Uh, Have you got some copiers in Texas, or is that a real problem?
0: (laughs) Remember, this is the same vice president uh, who doesn't understand Exactly where the border is in the state of Texas and and where the border problem is in the state of Texas. Uh, And so she knows uh, as much about Tinkos in rural Texas uh, as she, let's say she knows as little about Tinkos in Texas and rural Texas as she does about the border problems that we're having in our state.
1: All right. Now, Governor, I want to finish with two questions. One, there's a crisis in Cuba. And uh, a lot of people think that Latino Americans who are not Cuban Americans don't care. What's your experience? You have a very large, very well represented Latino American population in Texas. Do they all care about Cuba and the totalitarian regime there that is crushing people?
0: I would say both they do, but it's not just limited to uh, Hispanic uh, Texans. Listen, people care about this uh, across the board because uh, this is similar to uh, what America is all about. And that's the fight for freedom, uh, the fight to the, the fight to uh, avoid uh, an oppressor. Uh, and you know we're so physically close to Cuba. Uh, we all want the people in Cuba to be able to uh, escape the communistic regime. And I think that the Biden administration needs to call it for what it is. It seems like they are afraid to call it a communistic regime. Uh, they make it sound like it was, quote, mismanaged, according to what Jin Saki said yesterday, which is absurd. Uh, is mismanaged because they have imposed communism that is destroying the people there. So I I was actually in Cuba uh, a couple of years ago, and what I saw, uh, as opposed to the modern technology with regard to farming, uh, they were still using donkeys uh, to till land for farming small plots of land uh, in Cuba. And it's just crazy how they're literally decades behind the rest of the entire world uh, because communism uh, is a bad uh, policy or, or philosophy for anybody. But then let me just wrap it up this way. What What's going on in Cuba is actually the same type of philosophical leanings that people like Ocasio-Cortez and others are trying to push, including Beto O'Rourke in the state of Texas. And these people have no clue what communism or socialism really does to people and uh, how it would crush people, both the freedom as well uh, as... Uh, their ability to earn a living. And so it's disgusting for anybody to oppose Cuba Libra.
1: Now, the last question, Governor, is that Black Lives Matter, the organization on Wednesday night, tweeted out support for the Cuban government, a condemnation of the United States, and applauded their sheltering of uh, suspected uh, uh, state highway trooper murderers. I am astonished that people do not understand that BLM is a hardcore Marxist organization. Do the people of Texas get that?
0: I don't. I don't think that they they really do. You know, when when people have seen more and more about some of the policies that Black Lives Matters stand for, they realize that uh, this is something that's more than than just aiding and promoting and advancing uh black Americans. This it's a philosophy that is hostile uh to what America is all about. Uh and it causes uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, organization uh to lose credibility and I think you will continue to
1: see uh that fray and erode. Governor Greg Abbott, good to talk to you. Please keep coming back throughout this year and next. Always a pleasure.
0: All right. Take care of you Just remember
1: longhorns are better than buckeyes every day. You know, we, we have a debate ahead, Governor, and I look forward to it. All Be right. well. Take care. That concludes today's episode of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview.